G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. He said to the disciples, let us go over to the other side. The other side is a technical term in Jesus' day. Hello and welcome to Today with Jeff Vines. Today, his message is called The Other Side. From the book of Mark, we hear about Jesus and his disciples as they venture to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And we see that Jesus came to reach all people, not only those on the right or righteous side. They think everybody on that side's judgmental. They've never met a guy like Jesus before. So they're thinking, please get out of here because you really don't love us. You're not here about our concern. You've just come with a sense of superiority and judgmentalism like everybody else. This is Today with Jeff Vines. I'm in Mark chapter four, and this is one of those weekends you really do want to take out your Bible, your iPhone, your iPad, whatever you have, and follow along. This is a, a very powerful narrative. And the reason, the reason I like going back to these narratives is because we learn so much about Jesus by reading the stories written about him. As a matter of fact, you've heard me say numerous times the reason Jesus came into the world was twofold. Number one, to reveal to us what God is like. The whole purpose of Jesus coming to planet Earth was so that you and I could know what is God really like? What is God really like? So Jesus told the disciples, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you want to know what God is like, look at my life. And so when you see his compassion and his love and his care, then you know, wow, this is what God is really like. And the second reason is because he came to redeem us. Because we're all sinners, everybody in this room, right? Everybody backstage, everybody on stage. We're all sinners. Nobody's better than anybody else. And we see Jesus' compassion for all people. Now, stick with me. I'm in Mark chapter 4, verse 1. Here's how the story begins. And Jesus starts to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and set it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore on the water's edge. So here's what's going on. The scene is almost unimaginable. The crowd is so large that Jesus has to step away from the shore into a boat. And so he preaches from the boat. The boat is kind of like his platform. From the disciples' standpoint, by the time we get to Mark 4, Jesus is having a very successful ministry. He's gaining popularity. Ticket sales are out the roof. The crowds are growing. It's bigger and bigger. Ingress and egress are a nightmare, kind of like here on a Sunday morning. There's food challenges. He's got to feed everybody. And this Jesus movement that starts to gain momentum As soon as it does, Jesus kind of drops a bomb and he looks over to the disciples in Mark chapter one, verse 35. And it says, he said to the disciples, let us go over to the other side. Now, the other side is a technical term in Jesus day. It's not just the other side of the lake. It's not merely a command of geography. Across the Sea of Galilee was the area called the Decapolis. It's the Greek word from which we get our word decade. It means 10. Because there are 10 cities across on the other side. And guess who lived on those 10 cities? In the mind of the Israelites, it was the pagans. That's where they always live, right? 
They always live on the other side. In fact, over there, there are seven nations that according to the book of Acts chapter 13 verse 19, these are the people that God kicked out of the land, the promised land, the land of Canaan, so that the Israelites could take possession. But it's not like they were really good people and God did an unjust thing. The people who live in these cities, the, the, the capitalists, the ten cities, the seven nations represented, theirs were the pagan temples and the cultic practices that reveled in sexuality and violence and wealth. And it's kind of like in the Old Testament, God said, okay, these are the kind of people you're going to be that I'm going to kick you out of this promised land, this land flowing with milk and honey, and you're going to go on the other side and you're going to live there. Not only that, but the Decapolis on the other side where Jesus wants to visit is where the Roman authorities are, the oppressors of God's people in this day and time. As a matter of fact, would you like to know, do you know what they worshiped on the other side? They worshiped pigs. True story. We know that. Antiquity tells us. Now, what animal was regarded the most unclean among the Israelites? Pig. And the Decapolis, on the other side, pigs are worshipped. But it gets worse. Over on the other side in the Decapolis, there are Roman soldiers. As a matter of fact, there are a legion of soldiers. These are the soldiers that detested the people of God. They wanted them D-E-A-D dead. In fact, there were 6,000 Roman soldiers stationed on the other side. Guess what the symbol... For the legion of soldiers on the other side was a pig's head, a boar's head, a pig's head. So naturally, in the Jewish mind and the disciples, when Jesus says, let's go to the other side, in their mind, the other side is Satan's side. It's where those people live. It's where there's evil and dark and, and demonic. It's a place where God is not. It's a place where a rabbi would never want to go. And yet this rabbi says, casually, let's go to the other side. Right at the height of his ministry, let's go to the other side. It's like you and I saying, hey, we got nothing to do today. Let's go hang out in East LA. Right? Come on. I said it, but you'd think it. The other side of the tracks. The disciples are probably thinking, does Jesus even know who's on the other side? But they go. Now, If you know the story and you're following, when Jesus and the other disciples get to the other side, there are no crowds, no welcoming party, no parade, just one guy, just one crazy-eyed, messed-up guy. And every time I read this passage, I remember the movie Mr. Deeds. Remember the crazy eyes? And the Bible says in verse 3, when Jesus got out of the boat, they're on the other side now, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. So the reception committee is a man with an evil spirit. And of course, this isn't going to surprise the disciples because after all, they're on the other side. They tend to generalize when you talk about people on the other side. They're all demon possessed. Sure, this is what's going to happen. This is what these people are like. But if you read the story you discover that this guy's in such bad shape that they try to chain him up, bind him so he won't hurt himself or others. Because the Bible's going to tell us later that he actually howls at the moon every night and tries to cut himself with rocks. So this guy, he's on the other side, and even the people on the other side have rejected him. And he's at the very bottom of the spiritual barrel. In fact, the Bible says he's in such bondage that no one or no thing was strong enough to subdue him. Evil had such a hold on him 
He was captive to his own soul. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us what happened to this guy to get to this point. It could be that he had some kind of an addiction that scared out the sacred. Everything that righteous and good is gone, and now he's been possessed or overwhelmed. It could be that somebody broke his heart and created a wound that just kept growing that he couldn't recover from. Maybe he's made some bad choices in his life, and that's opened the door to demonic activity and finally possession. The Bible very seldom tells us why. And I think it does that because it wants you to know that there are no worse sinners than anybody else. We're all sinners. Some of the decisions we make have deeper ramifications, but the reality is we never know. We all know there are things we can do and say and believe in our lives that would open the door to some kind of demonic influence or possession that would take us down a road that's hard to recover from. What we do know is in this story, when the demons saw Jesus, they were terrified. They always are. And so whatever it is in your life or mine, whatever it is that's overwhelming us, that's possessed us, no matter what is it that's taken over us, an addiction, a habit, a hurt, a hang-up, bitterness, an unwillingness to forgive, uh, the type of personality that always sees the negative in everything, has a hard time expressing gratitude, thanksgiving, Whatever it is, when it meets Jesus, it's always terrified. Because what is impossible with man is possible with God. This is Today with Jeff Vines. And Pastor Jeff's message is sharing from the book of Mark about reaching those on the other side. Let's continue now. Now stay with me just quickly. I was walking out the back door. I came on Monday. It was a holiday and I'll usually come in and work on a holiday because it's very quiet around here. I can get a lot of good study done when nobody else is around. But it was Monday night and Celebrate Recovery still meets. I love those guys. They meet all the time. And I was walking by the back door and a guy came running out of the kitchen. And you could tell he wanted to celebrate. He said, Pastor Jeff. And I had no idea who he was. He said, Pastor Jeff, look. I said, look at what? He goes, I've been sober four years. And he had this bracelet on his ankle. And I didn't know why it was there. And I didn't really want to ask. He said, but it comes off in a few weeks. I'm thinking, wow. And this guy came out. He wanted me to celebrate with him. Pastor Jeff, this church has saved me. What he really meant is Jesus has saved me. I met a savior. I had this oppression inside me. And something happened. One day Jesus happened to me. And now look, I've been sober four years. And these are all my friends. And I volunteer my time. And I cook. And I clean. I do all I found Jesus. And he's made a difference in my life. And the Bible says that when the demons met Jesus, that they spoke in a loud voice. I'm in verse 7. What do you want with me, Jesus, Son, the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me, the demon says. In verse 9, Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. And then something interesting happens if you're following along. The demons make a request. They say, please send us into the pigs. And Jesus says, okay, go. And 2,000 pigs ran over a cliff into a lake and drowned Now, you and I read this story, an animal rights movement. This would have been very different to an Israelite than it is to you and me. When we think of pigs, we think of cute little animals like Porky Pig. So it seems a bit sad to us that Porky and his 1,999 little friends ran over a cliff and died. Or maybe some of you, if you're as old as I am, think of Green Acres' Arnold Ziffel, the smartest guy on Green Acres by far. And he was a pig, so it's really sad. Personally, I like to think of uh, Timon and uh, Pumbaa, one of my favorite cartoons, And the song they would sing to avoid the predators, are you aching for some bacon, you can be a big pig too. Point is, we look at pigs like that. It's really sad. 
But the people's response in Jesus' day when the pigs ran over, look what he says. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this into the town and countryside. You bet your bacon they did. Because they're pig herders. And when you come home and your boss asks you what happened to the pigs, you're going to have to say something. Well, there was this mass suicide. And verse 14 says, and the people went out to see what had happened. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. That's verse 14 through 17. So notice they don't respond. Jesus, you've got great power. Could you come and heal my mother? Could you come and heal my tormented child? Can you come and repair my marriage? Can you get rid of these demons in my life? Instead, they come to Jesus. What do they do? They beg him to get out of town. Why do they do that? You say, what's bad for pig business? There could be some truth in that. But I think more likely, it's because they know he's from the other side. And the other side has no real concern for this side. The people from Jesus' side come over to the other side, the Decapolis, and all they do is judge and ridicule them. The trouble with the other side is they also tend to generalize about people from that side. They think everybody on that side is judgmental. They've never met a guy like Jesus before. So they're thinking, please get out of here because you really don't love us. You're not here about our concern. You've just come with a sense of superiority and judgmentalism like everybody else. So the town gathers together when they hear what happened and they go down to the river and they tell Jesus to go down to the lake and say, Jesus, please leave. And they beg him to leave and he does. Now, when he gets into the boat to leave, look at verse 18, Mark chapter five. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon possessed begged to go with him. Now get this picture. The man is healed. Everything's fine now. And he looks at Jesus and I can see him getting down on his knees. Please, Jesus, take me with you. Don't leave me here. This place has destroyed me. Let me come with you. Let me be with you. I'm willing to leave everything, everything I have. Please, Jesus, please. And he begs and he pleads and he cries. Please let me get in the boat and go to the other side with you. And that's how we know this is a genuine conversion, right? Because when you genuinely are converted to Christ, you don't use him as some kind of loophole to get out of hell free card. You understand what he's done and how he's transformed you and you desire to be with him all the time. That's how you know you've truly been converted and changed. You want to be with Jesus. And so the demon-possessed man, please take me with you. But Jesus says no. Look at verse 19. Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. Now imagine what the demon-possessed man is feeling as the boat is pushing away from shore and they're leaving him behind. I imagine Jesus smiling and saying, go on now. I know you want to come with me. There'll be a time, but go tell your story. Go on now. Go, go tell everyone what the Lord has done for you. I need you here. I know you want to come now, but stay here. And maybe the demon-possessed dude gets a look of determination and a definitive resolve. And he says, you know what? I'll do it. I'll do it. You saved me. I'm a changed man. I'll do it. Nothing will stop me, Jesus. I'm going to bring light to the other side. Now, just quickly, why did Jesus do that? Why did he leave him? Because life transformation is the most convincing empirical evidence to the power and the love of Jesus Christ. I've said before, I love apologetics, but I've never brought anybody from the dark to the light through apologetics. I might have opened the door and broken some barriers. There is no better evidence to the power and the testimony of Jesus than your changed life. Your changed life and transformation. And so in verse 20, so the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him and all the people were amazed. Now stay with me in this story. It's so good. If you just stay with me, Jesus, in order to make sure the disciples understand what just happened, because they're a bit hard headed, because 
See, in their mind, they think you're not ever supposed to go to the other side. You're supposed to spend all your time on the right side. And they have a hard time grasping that Jesus loves the other side. When you have some time, stay with me right now, but when you have some time, you'll notice that four chapters later in Mark chapter 8, Jesus comes back to the other side, okay? So he's here, no crowd, one man, the demon-possessed man who cries out at the moon, howls at night, cuts himself with the rocks. Jesus transforms him, leaves him there, goes back over to his side, the disciples, they think, his side. A few months later, he comes back in Mark chapter 8. And this time, it's been a while, people hear that he's coming back, now, it's true, it's probably true that every pig in town is hiding. But there are 4,000 people that show up to hear Jesus speak. 4,000. And Jesus says something interesting to the disciples in Mark chapter 8, verse 2. He says, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and they have nothing to eat. Now, stay there for a moment. Contrast that with Mark 6. In Mark 6, Jesus fed the 5,000. In Mark 8, he goes back to the other side to feed the 4,000. When he's in Mark 6, the very first day, the disciples say, Jesus, what's going on here? These people are hungry. These are our people. We're on the right side. Feed them. Have some compassion. And the Bible says Jesus fed them and they collected what? How many baskets? Come on, feeding the 5,000, they collected 12 baskets. Now, we've learned in the book of Revelation that we spent far too long in. Some of you let me know that. That the number 12 is a number that represents something very dear to God's heart. 12 apostles, 12 disciples, 12 tribes of Israel. When we see the number 12, at least you know now that we're looking at a number that represents the people of God. Do you know when Jesus chose 12 disciples, man, that's a gutsy move. He chose 12. He was being aggressive. He was saying, you see these 12? The kingdom, the true Israel is being restored. The Messiah has now come. God's deliverance is here. It's no accident that Jesus chose 12 disciples, that there were 12 apostles, and it's no accident that he collected 12 baskets of food on the day he fed the 5,000. Message is loud and clear. Kingdom of God is on you. God is providing for his people. He has not forgotten his people. And I can just see him saying to Philip, Philip, how many baskets did you get? How many? How many? 12? 12? What does that mean? 12? 12. Now, that's Mark 6. In Mark 8, he goes back to the other side where he left that demon-possessed man. This time, he's preaching to 4,000. First day, disciples say nothing. Second day, disciples say nothing. Third day, the disciples still say nothing about feeding the crowd. And here's why. Because in their minds, they're on the other side. They don't really care about the people over in the Decapolis. These are heathens. Let them feed themselves. Let's just preach and get out of here. But Jesus has compassion. He feeds them anyway. And guess what happens? They have leftovers again. Guess how many baskets? No, seven. Why seven? There are seven nations living in the Decapolis. In verse 8 of Mark chapter 8, the people ate and were satisfied. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. What's the message? Jesus is saying, I've got good news. When he fed the 5,000, I have come to redeem and restore the 12 tribes of Israel, God's people. I have compassion. They are far from God. I'm bringing them near. I've not forgotten them. And the good news is I've also come for the people over there. Not only the people over here, but the people over there. And I'm going to feed them and I'm going to restore them. I have come for them. They are mine too. In God's mind, it's not this side and the other side. Both sides belong to him. 
And Jesus is trying to get through to these thick-headed disciples. The same thing he tries to get through to you and me today. The gospel of the kingdom of Jesus Christ is good news for everybody, even the people on the other side. This is Today with Jeff Vines. We'll have to leave it there for today, but please join us next time to hear the end of The Other Side. And when Jesus happens to you, you'll have a story to tell. You're saying, Jesus, I give you permission to change me from the inside out. Today with Jeff Vines. Just another way vision is connecting faith to your life. for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.